Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. So today we are here with Betsy Aime of the Currently Podcast. And Betsy, why don't you introduce yourself and give us a little bit about your background? Um, as you said, I have a podcast called The Currently, where I talk about current events that affect millennials. And inevitably, I put a Latinx lens on it because mm-hmm. I'm Latinx. Um, that has been going on for about seven months now, and it's something that I wanted to do for a long time. And last year, I finally got the nerve up to actually do it. After producing a few other people's podcasts and creating content, I decided to dig into my own. In twenty, the end of 2016, I left my full-time job in politics and advocacy mm. after doing that for nine years uh, for a few reasons, to spend more time with my son and also to start a business with my now husband. We just got married a few months ago. Congratulations. Um, we have a four-year-old together. And I, we started a business called Born in June Creative. We do branding, marketing, content creation, copywriting. So my life has really changed in the past year. <laughs> yeah, and when when I found out about Born in June Creative, I didn't know it was actually your company. And I was a little salty. I was like, how could she go to somebody else to produce her podcast and not come to me? I was really mad. I was like, oh, it's her company. Okay, I get it. That's fine. Wow. <laughs> also, I was, but I was mad. I'll take that as a compliment to my, to my <laughs> production, which is really me in my bedroom most of the time. <laughs> no, your show's great. I love it. But what I want to dive into, and this is, this is kind of foregoing any of our normal structure, you have a very interesting story that starts with you in, what, what, how old were you when you got married? When I got married the first time, I was, I had just turned 27, but it was after being in a relationship for, you know, four or five years. Oh, okay. So it was I kind of my college got, sweetheart. Okay. So I actually thought you got married when you're in your earlier 20s and then, okay. So In a way I did. <laughs> <laughs> so you started. But officially. Officially 27. Yeah. All right. And then what happened from there? From there, we had about a, a marriage that lasted very, a very short while. And right around the time I hit 20, I was about to hit 29, I started feeling like, is this it? Am I settled? I had also bought a house when I was 27. Mm. So it felt like my, and I had this, this career and it felt settled and it was something that I could continue to, to do for the rest of my life if I wanted to. And that thought did not bring me comfort. It brought me intense anxiety and fear. Interesting. And so I started, um, you know, without going too much into, there was obviously issues in my marriage. This wasn't just me having a post quarter life crisis right uh prior to that i had started doing therapy i had started seeing a life coach so i had been doing a lot of work on myself okay so around the time i turned 29 i made the decision to end my marriage wow and i realized later that when you turn 29 it's the return of the saturn which is when you know your life kind of gets a little bit disrupted and i think it's is it the first time something about the planets and it's the first time you complete yeah, a full cycle. Right, right. Your um, lunar return or something along those lines. Yeah. So I realized later that those feelings are very normal. And I think it's why a lot of people who I talked to since then, when you're about to hit 30, you you kind of feel like this like itch to either undo things or do things that you had maybe been holding off before, like get married or buy a house or move out or have a kid, whatever it was. And for me, it resulted in reaching out to the one who got away. Mm. So I used Facebook, which I know is super cliche, and I reached <laughs> out to somebody that I had been in touch for a long time. And um, when I got married, we had we had ended our, you know, I stopped being friends with him and just because we had a past. And so it was out of respect to my the person who was then my partner. And we reconnected and it was like 
lightning hit and we got together and we were in love and this was it. And then we moved in together and a short while later I was pregnant. Oh, oh, that escalated quickly. That escalated very quickly. I mean, it, you could say it escalated quickly or slowly, depending on what way you think <laughs> about it. Because we had met when we were 20. We, were yeah. bo- we both grew up in the same town. We met at a party I had had. And uh, we always had this thing, but the timing was never right. And finally, I think when the timing was right and he was single and I was single because I going through a divorce, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, legally speaking, we were going through all the process. Um we just kind of knew that that was that and we've been together ever since and things really aligned for us. I mean, it hasn't been easy, but essentially what happened is that when I turned 30, I was six months pregnant. Oh, wow. And uh, things just really changed for me. So that year was very significant for me. And I feel like it hasn't really slowed down ever since. I'm, I'm still waiting for a, for a slow year. Um, <laughs> and I think my 20s felt very tumultuous. Oh, And I think one of the reasons why the 20s feel tumultuous, at least to me, is because it felt like I was processing all the things I was carrying over from my parents, whom I love. But, you know, our parents Mm -hmm. all mess us up in some way or give us some weird thing that we're carrying. I say that as a parent. I feel like inevitably (laughs) there's always something. Mm -hmm. Um, And it felt for me like my 20s was a lot of me processing things and learning things about myself and confronting things about myself. So the 30s have been externally there's been a lot going on obviously having a child and starting a business has been crazy but in a way I feel a lot more settled because I have more of a sense of who I am now okay so uh in the timeline of having the kid and starting the business and and doing the complete career shift where where was that timeline at or how did that timeline play out um my son was born in 2013 and then I um I had a layoff right after my son was born. So that, I think, was what led me to believe I don't have to rely on another person for my livelihood. Mm -hmm. I can try to figure this out on my own. So from there, I uh, took another job um, and I started writing. I started pitching. I started getting more involved. I started doing more content creation. And I essentially was working my full-time job and having this other side hustle around content creation. That led me to where I am now. Okay, so I thought it might have been where you just, you know, I can't take this job anymore. I'm just going to no. quit. So you were kind of forced. Your I, hand was forced in, in a sense. And my hand was forced, but I did go back and I took a, I took a job in my similar field and I did that okay. for two years. And then eventually, you know, I figured I was, I was ready. And I say that knowing that there's really no way to be ready. Sometimes you yeah. just have to jump and you have to deal with the unexpected. And part of what I've gotten in my 30s that I didn't have before was a little bit more of a certainty that come what may, I'm capable and I can handle it. Mm. And it's taken me a lot of time to get there. I think part of the reason why I made certain decisions in my 20s is because I wanted a sense of security and like safety. And I realize now that that doesn't really exist Mm. because our lives can get disrupted tomorrow. And I feel like one of the things I've got in my 30s, I'm now 34, so... I guess in a few months I'll be in my mid-30s, which sounds Ooh. really scary and really middle-aged, <laughs> um, even though I still feel 17 sometimes. And this morning I had potato chips for breakfast. Atta girl. Um, <laughs> I felt like I was seeking the security that – and I've now embraced that I think true growth comes from the uncertain. Mm. That, you know, that, that safety you're seeking isn't real because – life is just life and it's going on its way whether or not you want to control things or not and so i feel like a lot of my issues stem from wanting to control things mm. what what changed for you to make that kind of connection i think it was a having a child which for me coincided with being 30 i think people can have massive transformation without children but for me it was 
turning 30 and having a child and all the unexpected things that come with having children that you just can't control. They're their own little people and you mm. think you got it and you every day they show you that you don't. <laughs> or maybe that's just my son. And I think also getting laid off and feeling like I was settled in a certain way and then understanding that these things that we count on salaries, paychecks, positions, and these identities that we attach to our careers, that they can be taken away from us at any moment. Mm. And that goes for anything, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's scary to be in that space, but I, the more I embrace it, the more I can take risk with my career and not put so much attachment to the outcome of things because I know that I feel like now I feel more certainty in myself that I just didn't have before. And I've also done a lot of therapy. I do a lot of self-help. Mm. Um, I mentioned before I had a life coach. I do a lot of self-help seminars and constant reading. And I feel like embracing that we're never really finished products. We're always on a continuous learning cycle is something that has helped me and really re released me in a lot of different ways. I think I walked out of my divorce not feeling like a failure even though people would say that to me was a failure, it felt mm. more like a statement of growth, a statement of being able to say it's okay to walk away from things that are no longer serving us or it's okay that we had a certain time with somebody and we grew together and then we went our separate ways because my divorce was for the most part amicable and I can't speak for him, but I know that for me um, I'm grateful for the time we had together and then I'm grateful that we knew when it was time to walk away. Now, you mentioned earlier about kind of walking the balance of, of potentially going back to, we'll say corporate America, because uh, currently you are self-employed, working on your own projects, company, the whole nine. And you have a stronger sense of security, which I think definitely comes from st stepping out on faith, so to speak, and, and building your own thing. But now to think about kind of going back, what's, what's kind of the thought process or what's, what's kind of the reasoning behind that for you? That's a great question. I'm still working through that myself. But we were talking before we started recording. Um, a few months ago uh, in 2017, we learned that my son is on the autism spectrum. And that was something that we had been navigating for about a year with doctors and different therapists and trying to come to a conclusion on that. And I think that was something that was really difficult and really challenging for me to to deal with, both as a mom, as an individual, and really just feeling as though I have to do whatever I can and gather all the resources that I can because once again, I'm confronted with something that feels very uncertain, except in this case, I can deal with whatever comes my way. But feeling responsible now for the outcomes of another person's life mm -hmm. who is inevitably might potentially have certain challenges that I can't foresee, it has made me think of the practicalities of it, you know, self, you know, being real. I think entrepreneurship is something that's very glamorized, especially online mm, nowadays. Yeah. And sometimes you make us, we make assumptions about people um, and how much money they have in the bank or how, what it's really like, you know, they're just out there having coffee and like cool breakfast all day. And that's <laughs> not really what it's about. It's actually very scary. You know, we had savings when, when we started this whole thing. And as we see those dwindle, it gets really scary. Self-employment insurance, it's very expensive to buy your own insurance yeah. when you're self-employed. And if we didn't have children, I feel like we could forego it. But with a child who needs therapy three hours a day, every day, wow. and is very costly, even yeah. with insurance, I think it just makes, you, it makes me think of the practicalities of it all. Yeah. And I think what I know now is that no matter what happens, the business can continue. We can continue doing it on the side. 
you know, these projects and these these creative outlets that I've discovered for myself, that's something that's always going to be a part of me and always something that I can do. So I feel like we also have to be open to understanding that we make plans and again, life happens and it's okay to evaluate and change course or even just question like, what do we do now? Everything is a phase. You know, my son isn't always going to be four years old. Mm. My son will be older. My son will need help possibly or maybe not and it'll be different kinds of help so it's something that I'm still working through which is I think another thing I would want to tell people if they were 29 like don't ever feel pressure to have things all figured out don't ever feel pressure to either meet certain milestones or feel like you're settled because we're we're constantly learning and growing and facing new challenges and so the way I think about everything going on with my son is that Again, like the answers will come to us. Things will be figured out if I am meant to be going back to working at a nonprofit. And in my case, I feel like one of the things I I started asking myself late last year, it's like, well, what is the lesson I can take from all this? I always try to say that to myself when things get difficult rather than saying, why are these things happen to me? And not that that means that things don't hurt me or don't affect me or I don't have bad days because I have plenty of those. It's just I try to say like, what is the lesson here? So in my case, my work was political and it did involve, it wasn't specifically me working in corporate America. It was more me working on community organizing and leveraging um, communities and helping underserved communities. So I feel like if I go back and do that work, that's a very honorable thing to do as well. Absolutely. And so I, I feel very lucky that I get to have these two things mm-hmm. that I actually really love doing, that yeah. I really enjoy doing. And at the same time, I'm grateful that I we did start the business because now no matter what happens in the future, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna wonder, could I have done that? Yeah. Because we did it. And I'm not gonna I don't wanna glorify this. It was hard. It it has it's it's very it has these huge highs and then it has these really ba- bad lows. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that isn't necessarily talked about because everyone's so busy glamorizing what entrepreneurship is and what self-employment is because it's really become, I want to say, a trendy thing. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. It is a trend. It really is. But to that note, like how do you how do you really use the challenges that are in your life right now to kind of uh, push through the lows and use those as fuel to, to move forward, work harder, work smarter, and and move along as now you're you're transitioning through the mid-30s? I think I use the challenges. One of the things I've been doing that has been super helpful is I do a lot of meditation. And that helps kind of remove me from the daily stresses. I do a lot of anxiety management work. So taking walks, um, reading books that help me work through anxious thoughts. So it's interesting because the older I get, the more I focus less on the actual work work parts of me and the more I focus on working on myself. Because I feel like if I'm well and I'm feeling good and I'm feeling balanced, I can be better for my family. I can be better for my business. I can be better for my son. And so whenever things get really challenging, I try to go within rather than trying to go outside. So if my, you know, we've had moments where our bank account is pretty low. So mm-hmm. rather than try to worry about that and focus on I I don't want to be broke I try not to use that language and instead say you know I'm open to the abundance of the universe which I know sounds really like woo woo but another way (laughs) of saying it is like you know um I'm open to all these amazing clients that are coming my way so I try to kind of shift my thoughts and it's hard you know I have depression I have anxiety um that's something that I confronted in my early 20s that was really um a godsend for me to 
have to deal with that and start therapy when I was young because it really has helped me, A, address that our brain kind of lies to you. When you have anxiety or depression, like your brain lies to you. Your brain will tell you that you suck and that everything you do is terrible. So now that I can identify, you know, I'm not my thoughts. These are just thoughts that I'm having because it's my anxiety or I call it the creature. (laughs) The creature is like talking to me. Um, The creature wants attention. I can kind of then talk myself down from that. And, you know, with that said, Again, I have hard days. And I think that's okay. Like, we're going to have hard days. We're not machines. Yeah. I always, like, rail about capitalism on my Instagram. And one of the reasons why I do that is because I feel like this society makes us feel like if we're not producing at 100% each day, we're failing. And that's just not how I feel we were meant to exist. So going along the control theme, I guess, from your 20s into your 30s, you mentioned that, you know, you, you have to acknowledge the fact that you can't control everything. How has that changed for you? Because I know I'm I'm very much the same way of a very controlling mindset, but that's more along the things that I can control, right? I know how to manipulate the things in my life in order to get what I want out of it. The energies, the positivity, the mindsets, uh, the people around me even to an extent, and not in a malicious or negative way. Watch out, Randy. Right? <laughs> oh, he's already, he's already been victimized. Why do you think he's sitting right next to me right now, right? Um, but those those things, and, and that's... A, the one thing that I want to focus on right there too is that controlling also has a negative connotation to it, whereas it's not. The lack of control is more negative than not being able to control your own life because if you really don't have that control, yeah. it's stifling in a lot more ways than you could possibly imagine. So take me through your transition from 20s to 30s and how that mindset has changed and evolved for you in a way that has helped kind of push you over the edge into this now uh, air quotes, new you? That's a great question. I, I think you said it. It's going from a place of trying to control other people, right? Like, why are my parents like this? Why can't they be normal or, you know, whatever it is? You know, why can't my partner pick up his socks? And going from a place of controlling what I can, which is my own reactions. Mm-hmm. And how did I get to that place? That's super interesting. I think I have gone a little bit more to that place just by making myself miserable every few years when I get into this really depressed, anxious, controlling state. And I just like, like I don't even want to be with myself sometimes. And, and it's gone, it had, it's had to get that bad a few times in my life for me to really understand that that's something that I need to change about myself. And so last year, I actually wrote about this on my, I keep a, a blog where sometimes I write reflections on things and I publish pieces that I, that I I get the privilege to publish in in other publications, but um, I wrote a piece about how 2017 was my year of self-help because the harder things got with my son and really confronting what was going on and what he needed me to be for him to be the best parent I could possibly be, I I did a lot of self-help. I did parenting seminars. I did Tony Robbins. So for me, it's doing these seminars that help me focus on what's going on within myself rather than being like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my child? What did I do wrong? Did I mess up when I was pregnant? What happened? It's really, I think you said it, that that's the answer. The answer is going within. And sometimes we want the answers to come from the outside. We expect people to change for us or we focus a lot on how other people are behaving rather than focusing on how we are approaching that. And when I say that, I know it sounds very like, oh, she thinks she has her shit together, but I still mess up obviously and I have my bad moments and I lash out at people when I shouldn't. But what's different now is that I can bring myself back to 
that other place a lot quicker. Like if I get upset at somebody, I'm a lot more reflective quicker mm. than I was before. And I'm a lot quicker to be able to say, hey, I'm sorry I messed up. This is how I want to be different next time this situation happens. And that's something that has taken a lot of work. And it's I was talking to my husband about meditation and mindfulness. And you see these little like I think sometimes people say, I can't meditate. And it's because they expect that they're going to sit there the first day and the first day they're going to be completely zen and like get some kind of mental clarity after the first time they do it. It's really not that. It's really over a series of doing a little bit of work each day. You start seeing these blimps, right? Like someone upsets you and you feel an empathy towards them that before maybe would have been anger. And so it's these really small, subtle shifts that you can feel within yourself. And then you can also feel, for me, I can start to identify when I'm having darker days where I'm going a little bit further into depression or further into anxiety, and I can try to do something to snap out of it. For me, I've identified I need to spend a lot of time outside. I can t I tend to be that person that if I'm sinking into myself, I just veg in front of the TV for hours and hours. <laughs> Everything kind of caves in, yes. right? And you go inside and you live there. Yeah. You know? And then when you're uh, – Tony Robbins said if you're in your head, you're dead, which unfortunately for some people can be literal, um, not to make light of suicide. Um, but I feel like once I identified – I've been having decisions since I was a little girl. But nobody was was able to name it for me. I didn't know what it was till I was in my 20s. I thought everyone's head like did stuff to them the way mine does. I thought everyone had these really negative punishing thoughts. And I think everyone does to an extent. But when you have anxiety, depression, it's just like you exist only with you and those thoughts. And mm -hmm. it's very punishing and it's and it's very heavy. And for anybody that's going through that, you know, just know that you know, you can get through it and you can, if you get help, and I really encourage everybody to seek therapy and seek tools out there to help themselves. Because I think sometimes we feel like we have to navigate these things alone or that we have to not talk about them. I wrote a piece recently um, for a publication called uh, Folks, where I talk about having, you know, some suicidal thoughts, even as early as 15, 16. Wow. And it's never anything I acted out on and just have, but having the thoughts itself, I wanted to talk about it because I felt like a lot of people, and I, I speak as a, you know, I'm first generation American. My parents are both immigrants. It was just something that was never really discussed. And I don't think my parents didn't talk to me about these things because they don't love me or they don't want to. They just genuinely didn't have the tools. And it was, it was, the attitude was kind of like, well, just brush it off and keep going. Yeah. And... It doesn't work. And it doesn't always work. And that's okay. And it's okay to get help if you need it. Mm -hmm. And and that's, you know, that's a message I always try to put out there in my writing and my social media, in the pieces that I write. Um, when I wrote that piece about having these suicidal thoughts, that was something that I hadn't talked about that, even with really close friends. And I think it's just something that we need to put out there more so people understand that it's okay and they can work through it. It's human. Yeah. I think that's... A lot of what our current society has lost, it, the the human element has really gone by the wayside and it's something that we've forgotten and it's something that we haven't been able to recoup or redevelop in recent years, primarily because of our lack of understanding. And so that fear drives us further away from resolution rather than bringing us closer to it. And really you paralleling, you know, your parents uh, 
telling you to push through and just forget about it. That's their mentality. Their mentality of not confronting those demons rather than facing them head on and uh, attacking them and, and getting them out of the way or acknowledging them and learning how to cope, right? About uh, it was neglect. It was, um, they weren't really, and, and my parents are the same way. They didn't take care of their themselves mentally as much as we do today, as much as we invest in ourselves today, it's, they're just a product of their environment. So on that note, how has your confidence and strength to overcome those hardships changed? Like how have you, what have you done rather to gain more confidence and strength in order for you to overcome these, these day-to-day -day challenges? I mean, you mentioned meditation, being more mindful, but what active steps have you taken? I mean, for someone that's going through something like this, what can they do other than those things that you've already listed? I think the first thing is going and find out what are those things for you. Like for me, it was meditation. For me, it was seeking therapy. For me, it was walking on fire <laughs> at a seminar. But I think it's <laughs> really? like, yeah. No I, shit. Yeah. I walked on hot, <laughs> what's technically hot coals, but Tony Robbins, when you go to yeah. unleash the power within and the first day you get there, he you do this whole like 12-hour seminar and then after that everybody has to go walk on coals. You don't have to. You choose to and I chose to do it. And it's a symbolism for overcoming your fears mm. um, because then it's like if you can tackle that, if you can get in a mental state to tackle that, then you know that you can get yourself in a mental state to tackle anything. I think challenging ourselves daily in some way or another, I feel like it's like a muscle. Like once you can confront one scary thing that you were avoiding, you can confront other things and then it becomes a muscle that builds upon itself. So I would encourage somebody who's going through a difficult time to start challenging yourself. You know, if you, I mean, I'm trying to think of it. One of the things I think you can do is every day um, do something new, do something that puts you a little bit out of your comfort zone. Because I think every time I've grown as a person, as a parent, as a now wife, like it's when I push myself a little bit outside of my comfort zone. So in my case, going to this like self-help seminar that even a year or two before would have felt completely ridiculous and self-indulgent, like I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. And then once I was there, I said, well, I'm going to walk on these hot coals to prove that I can and to see how I feel. And it was one of the most euphoric feelings of my life. And had I let the fear stop me, I would have not done that. You know, this year I'm trying to challenge myself um, on my physicality, um, last, a year and a half ago, I did a, a fitness boot camp because that has been an area that I have acknowledged that hurts my mental health. You know, if you're not active, it's really hard for you to actually process emotions. And, you know, there's endorphins that come in when you work out. So I've been trying to challenge myself more physically. So this year I said I'm running a 5K. So I always, oh, wow. I need something to continuously challenge myself. And that's something that I recognize in myself. So I think just going inward, you know, there is no, with that said, there's no guru, there's no therapist that has the answers. All these tools, what they do is they help you reflect more on who you are and learn more about yourself. I think to your point, I think we're very detached from from who we are sometimes. And um, we, I think, I think about this because I have a son. I think for young men, for example, like a lot of times anger is the only acceptable emotion right. that men are allowed. Yeah. And you mm -hmm. see that reflected in who our president is. You see that reflected in a lot of the discourse that's happening. It's like we need to allow ourselves to be human and to have a range of emotions. So I would say it's okay to have good days. It's okay to have good days and it's okay to have really bad days. And just coming to that place of further acceptance of ourselves and the full range of who we are, even with our imperfections. I think so many of us have this pressure to be perfect all the time. 
And that is really exhausting. And I say that from personal experience. So we just have to have more of that, a little bit more of that release. And so I think if you're still in your 20s, I think don't avoid yourself. Don't avoid your issues. Don't avoid issues with your parents. Not that I'm saying you should go start a fight with them. But for me, <laughs> uh, therapy helped me process a lot of those a lot of those feelings that I had and really gain some more insight into myself. I think there can be a a push or a little bit of a, you know, we laugh it off about like, oh, I'm just going to drink away my problems or mm. I'm just going to like, you know, go shopping and do retail therapy. But I feel like those are just ways of us avoiding. Yeah. We had, me and my buddies, we lost a, a friend of ours. Um, we were in college, I think it was like in 2006. 2006, he passed away in Iraq. And, you know, my buddies at the time, you know, we were in our early 20s, if that. But they, you know, we kind of only wanted to talk about it when we were drunk mm -hmm. and uh cliff cliff was one that really put the stop to it. it was like no we're not having this conversation now if you want to talk about it we can talk about it tomorrow when we're sober but we're not going to do this right now we're not going to do it in this um environment so that was it, it's interesting you bring that up because that was something that we definitely had to uh, to learn and it started to uh, seep into other aspects of our lives like okay i can't have meaningful conversations with my partner if I am not in a sober state of mind. Yeah. Right. And we, we're not going to get to the crux of where these issues are to be able to fix them if we're only able to do this or have these conversations when we're not, you know, we have to have alcohol to release our inhibitions kind of deal. But circling back to what you're saying about seeking out help, did you have any resistance from family when you kind of start connecting these dots and were taking the initiative to find uh, you know, seeking therapy or going for the self-help stuff. Oh yeah, what yeah. was what was that like? I mean, I at points I had I had resistance for my my former partner. Um, I also, when I was about twenty, my doctor, I was having these symptoms that I now recognize were symptoms of panic attacks, but I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm. So I went to the doctor numerous times, and I said, "You need to do an EKG, and you need to test me because I'm going to have a heart attack, and I'm dying." <laughs> and again, those are all anxious thoughts. Yeah. Um, and she told me, she was like, you know, so we did all these tests and there's nothing really physically wrong with you. She's like, but I think you could use some counseling. Mm. And I was like, but that's for crazy people <laughs> in my head. Right. That's, yeah. that's kind of what I, the mentality I had at that point. It's like, that's for crazy people. So I went back and I told my mom and she, what, she's not going to listen, but she would hate if, if I told you guys this, but she basically told me, well, you're. 20 years old you don't have any real problems how are you going to mm. deal with life when you have actual problems like i do if you are having a difficult time managing everything right now i've heard that before yeah so that pretty much set my recovery not recovery but that pretty much turned me off from seeking therapy for a few years yeah because it felt very um punishing and very judgmental yeah. And so I didn't really start therapy till I was maybe 23, 24 after having, you know, a series of, you know, all the behaviors I'm describing about coping and masking your issues with with drinking and shopping and overindulging yourself. Those are all behaviors that I've participated in. Mm -hmm. I did at that point in my life. And finally, when I was about 24, I had a friend who, you know, we're still really close friends and I love her for many reasons. But she was like, dude, you need therapy. 
because I was at her house. I was always at her house. I was like, oh, my God, like everything is terrible and everything sucks. Mm. And she was like, dude, you need to go to therapy. Like, I can't be your therapist. Like, you need to go to therapy. So that's then a good I, friend. That's yeah, a great friend, that's right? A good friend. And it took because she was somebody who had already been confronting her own issues yeah. with anxiety and depression. So I think it, the more we kind of open up that awareness and that conversation, even among our friends, in a casual way the way she did i think the better we we serve ourselves and i'm really grateful for her having told me that because i said you know what yeah you're right i'm gonna i'm gonna try this thing out and i completely you know therapy is hard because it does force you to confront yourself so i think you have to be ready and you have to be willing to my my first therapist called it like going through the dark mountain or something and then there's light at the other side but you mm -hmm. have to get through that darkness mm -hmm. and i think i i did that then and i'm grateful for it and not to say i'm healed or you're, you're gonna heal if you do therapy for six months but i feel like now every time i do hit a low point it's a different kind of a low point point. and yeah. every time you hit a low point you come out on the other side with this whole new awareness about yourself and learnings that you can take into your next challenge you know if somebody would have told me i was going to be able to handle receiving news about a child and when something happens to you it's one thing but when something is wrong with your child it's like a pain I can't I can't fully describe and the, and the fear that I experienced when we heard about my son it was uh it was devastating and so I think everything that happened to me before I was slowly gathering tools um that helped me get through this and you know now I you know, he's getting help and there's so much improvement and, and, you know, I'm confident he's going to have an amazing life where he can pursue the things he wants to pursue. But in that moment, it's just really scary because you don't know, like, what does this mean? Does it mean he's never going to speak? Does it mean he's never going to have a full life? And so it's like all those fears and projections you put into the future are sometimes what's the scariest thing. And so that's something that I grapple with all the time. I try to remind myself to live in the now, not live in the future being scared of like, you know, when I was getting married, I was like, what if this marriage fails too? Then obviously I'm the one that's messed up, right? Yeah. Because like one divorce, it's like, oh, cool. Like, I guess. But then yeah. two, <laughs> those are the thoughts that were yeah. going into my head. And it's always this constant like battle with like, you know, be in the now. Don't be in the future. Just be in the now. And so that's something that I, you know, am still struggling with and still try to manage on a day to day. You know, every day I try to do something to kind of keep myself balanced and, and centered. But with kids, it's, when you have kids, it's really hard to do that. Because mm -hmm. like you said, you you want to be able to plan for the future because you want to be able to give them the best opportunity to succeed in the future. Mm -hmm. Without having some kind of thought toward the future, you can't really live in the now because your mind is always going to be taking you to the future. Yeah. You have no choice. It's mm -hmm. like, well, what are we going to do? You know. But you're absolutely right. You have to live in the now. You can only control what is right in front of you and you cannot control the unknowns because mm -hmm. the unknowns will always be there. Mm -hmm. And that's going to cause you more stress and more anxiety. But as a father, see, I I kind of, I see things very um, similarly and that's because I think I listen to my wife. She thinks I don't. Mm -hmm. You ask my wife right now, she will tell you I'm full of shit. I don't <laughs> listen to her whatsoever. <laughs> I guarantee Randy will, will attest to that. Yeah, yeah, she would. But I listen to her. I might not necessarily respond or give her anything to go off of right there in that moment because I'm processing what she's yeah. going through. And it's that process that I'm taking her anxiety, her stress, her emotional load and distributing that over, over my well-being 
been trying to figure out where that fits into my life, okay, and how I'm going to work it out. I, I, I definitely see the difference between our mindsets. As a father, it's hard for me to accept the fact that my son is, for example, uh, going back to an earlier point you made, um, allowed to uh, be a softy or be um, empathetic or be sensitive or be naive. I was that kid. It didn't work out for me. Mm. I am the way I am now because I felt like I had to build up that sense of um, that callous, more or less, in order to make it through the world. That was because the world was not ready for people like me. Yeah. Maybe the world is ready for people like that now, but uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't. As an eight, 10 year old boy being bullied about being different, about uh, being naive, about not knowing uh, certain things because I didn't have that exposure because my parents were immigrants and, and they didn't have you know a full sense of what was going on around them. They didn't have that awareness of the world like I do now. And that's why I think I am the way I am. I've developed such a um, such an eclectic, uh, taste for hobbies and such a devotion to sports and and movies and sci-fi and all that because I feel like that's what I missed out on in my life. That's what people were really focused on growing up. And for me, that's a defense mechanism. It's like, now I know everything. Now I can give my son mm -hmm. the tools and, and, and give him a good cross-section of what's out there to protect him from my experiences as a child. That might not be the right approach. My belief on that end is that you cannot prevent pain in the life of your children because that right. is part of life. And I think that's part of what gives them growth. So I think you can probably protect them from certain things that maybe you went through, but then he'll have his own challenges of course, because he'll be who he is. And I think every generation is evolving for the better. That's my belief. I believe that as humans, we're getting better. I don't believe we're getting worse. So I think that, yeah, that belief to me cements the fact that my child is going to be okay. And and I think the other thing I, I believe, and this is my own personal belief that might sound a little crazy to everybody else, is that I feel like kids have souls and they're their own little people. And so they come in knowing who their parents are going to be and knowing kind of what challenges and what lack and what our deficiencies are. And they chose us anyway. And so I try to tell myself that. But to your point, when I had my son, I remember he was a few days old and I started crying and crying and crying and crying and I was so upset and it was because I looked at him and he was so pure and so innocent and I thought, damn, I'm not going to be able to protect you from the world because the my parents try to protect me and their parents try to protect them and every generation tries to protect their kids in their own way. In their own way. Based That's on very what, important based to on, note. Yeah, based on what they knew, right? right? Like my mom wasn't allowed to go out past 8 p.m., because my grandmother knew the world to be a dangerous place. And mm -hmm. she would she told them, don't have sex and don't have premarital sex. And like, don't get pregnant. Because like, that was the big shameful thing growing up in a small town in Guatemala where my mom was from, you know. Mm -hmm. And my mom tried to protect me in other ways. You know, my mom moved so that I would be in a better school district and try to give me the best of everything. And, you know, she did her thing. And I'm going to do my own thing with my son. And you're going to do your thing with your son. And then they're inevitably going to face their own challenges as the world continues to evolve. But... I do feel like the world is more ready for people who are different. I do think that we are evolving into a new state of consciousness where um, 
you people can find their own communities. I know there's a lot of evil things coming from the internet, but a lot one of the good <laughs> things is like people can find their niches. Like we all know each other because of the internet. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there is a different opportunity, but my approach to my parenting is that I, I'm not going to be able to protect my son from everything. I remember his first day of preschool. I said, whoa, like this is the beginning of him being on his own, right? Because yeah. mm -hmm. that was the first time he was going to inhabit this whole environment. And I don't know what happens all day in preschool. I don't know what other, what things other kids tell him. You know, sometimes I, I showed up one day and like he wanted a bike and this kid took the bike from him. And I was like, hey, kid, you're a jerk. Like in my head, I said that, you know, because like you can't. And he was crying because my son and because of his, you know, because of autism, he doesn't always he can't always have the language right to away to, it to, to communicate right. it out. So he just started crying and went to his teacher and his teacher didn't. I, I was kind of walking in and I observed this. His teacher didn't know what he was upset about. Mm. And so I just feel like. Everything I've said, I think, falls along the same line, which is, like, we have to take the good with the bad. When in, in our parenting, in our lives, like, there's going to be good, there's going to be bad. And I think if we maybe don't pressure ourselves to be happy 100% of the time, we can ease the pressure off ourselves. And even and as parents, because parenting, I, f I feel this pressure to curate this perfect childhood for mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. son. You yeah, know? That, I'm the same exact way, and, which is why I said that. And, yeah, know? and my mom, my mom actually says, she's like, I would hate to parent right now because you guys have the internet. And there's a lot more pressure and judgment you guys all place on each other. Yeah. You know, to be the perfect parent, to pack the perfect lunch. And uh, that's something that I try to just, I don't, I don't play that game. You know, I don't play the like, I'm the perfect mom game at all. Mm -hmm. Or I'm the perfect parent because, you know, I try my best. I try to educate myself. I try to work on myself. And I also try not to project, like if I wanted to be, captain of the cheerleading squad and most popular because I was like the opposite of that. Like I try not to project that onto my kid, you know, because mm -hmm. he's going to be whoever he's going to be. But, you know, and I, I want to be candid that don't be afraid of using medication. You know, don't be afraid of antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication. It's something mm -hmm. that I had to be talked into by therapists at different points in my life. But I, you know, I had swore them off and then I started taking them again recently and it's really actually helped me so i really? don't want i never want to give the impression that you're going to meditate your way out of mental health issues because yeah. you're probably not i mean if you can great you should but... be on the show and talk about that yeah <laughs> but um if you can it's totally okay and i know there's a stigma in a lot of our communities about that but right. you know talk to your doctor about it and don't be don't be afraid to be well so this is another one of those episodes where we've covered uh an incredible amount but to really sum it up we want to hear from you if you've had any issue that we've covered today. I mean, it, it's very deep, you know, anywhere from stability and security from your 20s to your 30s. How has that changed for you? Are you used to controlling life? Are you a control freak and now you can't seem to control anything? Or is it the complete opposite? Have you transitioned from being a non-controlling person to a controlling person? Do you even know what being controlling is like? Have you taken any risks? Have you risked anything at all with child or without? How do you use the challenges in your life to really propel you forward? Are you a selfish person? Is being an entrepreneur selfish? I know we didn't really cover this, but that's something that really goes along with being an entrepreneur. It has an element of selfishness to it. Do you have that story? Can you share it with us? What do you do? And how does it impact your environment and your community? How does confidence and strength really help you overcome your day-to-day? -day? 
And maybe it's confronting the fact that you might not have that confidence and strength that gives you the confidence and strength to embolden you and push you forward. And as a parent, what challenges do you face? Do you try to curate the perfect parent mentality for your, uh, I'm sorry, do you try to curate the perfect childhood for your, uh, do you try to curate the perfect childhood for your child? To make them not feel the pain that you felt growing up? I know I do. If you do, or don't, or have an opinion about any of this, share it with us. Give us your story. Tell us what it's like to be in your life. And if you want to get to know Betsy a little bit more or follow anything that she does, Betsy, where can the people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Betsy I'm a C as in cat. You can find me on my website, BetsyIme.com, and send me a note there. And I would love if you checked out my podcast, The Currently Podcast, on iTunes and SoundCloud. Betsy, can you spell out the, the handles for us real quick? Sure. B-E-T-S-Y-A-I-M-E-E-C. Perfect. And you can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy Z and Turg. You can find me at Turg Says No on Instagram and Twitter. Great. I thought this was really good. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure to stop by our website at talk30tome.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. And if you really like what you hear, make sure to leave us an awesome five-star review. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. <laughs>
Are you? 